hey there, congratulations, you made it to the Xfil. You can relax, empty your bags, and we hope that you enjoy the show. My name is Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger. With me tonight is my co-host, Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you're brand new, welcome to the show. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT. And tonight on the show, we've got a special guest, a fellow podcasting friend of ours from the... Ah, I wanted to say The Dive, but it's from Dive and The Hot Drop. Tonight, we've got Dano. How are you, man? I'm excellent. I'm so excited to talk some Tarkov with you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thanks for being here. As everyone knows, we're going to dive into... Ooh, see, now I'm going to say dive like 70 uh, times. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm going to say it over and over because of that. But we're we're obviously going to get to Tarkov, but really quick, you run The Hot Drop, which was a PUBG podcast, which is how you and I connected. You and Ronald just got connected a few minutes ago, and then you guys have spun off Dive. And for those of you that have never listened to any of the podcasts that Dano's on, <laughs> I, you got to listen to him, man, and especially <laughs> Dive, because... I was laughing so hard at the last episode because the best way I would explain it, and I'll let you give some little self-promo and talk about the shows, but the dive is kind of like you're done playing video games for the night and no one really wants to go to bed, but you should. And it's all of the conversations that happen in that last 30 minutes, (laughs) you know, and you guys were talking about some of the funniest, most ridiculous stuff on the last episode. It's slipping my mind now, but you guys were talking about something that annoys you. Why am I losing this? It I was wish hilarious. I could remember. <laughs> it, it was on the last one. I can't even remember. It was, I was driving and I seriously was having a hard time driving. Oh, was it the recipe thing? Yes, where you have to scroll. You guys yes. were talking about when you see recipes online and how you can't just get the recipe. You literally have to go to 13 pages of their personal history and then their emotional state before yep. you get the six ingredients you need to scramble an egg. <laughs> It's awesome. So anyway, that's dive, man. It's so so true, man. So true. I know you guys have done some transitioning. You've done some cool stuff over there. So tell everybody what you're all about, man. Sure. Um, So yeah, so we, I, I guess, started Hot Drop back in, I want to say 2017, um, shortly after PUBG came out. We were all about PUBG. I was looking for a new game coming off of playing Counter-Strike for years and years and years. So I had about something like 1400 hours in Counter-Strike Global Offensive and I was ready to move on to something else and PUBG hit the scene and it was the hot thing that everyone was interested in. So I played it, I told my friends about it. Um, I started the podcast myself and then after a while realized that it wasn't it wasn't feeling right. I needed something and that was a, a co-host. One of the things that I wanted to do for a long time with my buddy Cody was make a podcast. So I basically got him into PC gaming. He didn't have a PC. He'd never played a PC game before. Definitely started on one of the hardest games you could possibly start on, which is PUBG. But he played it. He loved it. He liked the simplicity of the concepts, the intensity, the adrenaline rush you get. From then it was history. I mean, we got my other friend John involved and it just became a, a PUBG show. And then after a while, we as you know as you do you kind of want to move on to the next thing our community was strong so we kind of transitioned the community into more of a 
variety show slash, you know, just general gaming community rather than one focused specifically on PUBG. And then from there, we started Dive, which is more of a variety podcast. Um, so we're still figuring out what exactly Dive is. It's kind of like our ramblings, like you said. I've never heard someone describe it like you did, but that was perfect. <laughs> it's the late night ramblings uh, after you're done. When I listen to it, it's like I'm in the room and not saying anything. And it's just it cracks me up because it went from like cooking shows to aliens to (laughs) just it's funny man all over the place all over the place we've also had like specific targeted episodes about things like halloween or you know all about hot dogs something that we googled that we were like this is interesting to us let's learn about it and then so we learn about it and then tell the story so it's a pretty fun little side project pretty excited about it yeah every gamer right now is just nodding right they're like oh yeah oh yeah this is it this is the stuff oh yeah so you can find us on itunes everywhere else you can find podcasts spotify you can see his Twitter link for the main show on the screen if you're watching the YouTube. Otherwise, we'll have all the links to their shows in the show notes. So make sure to get in there and check those out. Awesome. Yeah, no, you mentioned Call of Duty, but we can't skip over the introduction here without going back to Half-Life. Oh, because, yes. Because and whenever I run into someone who's like, man, I played a bunch of Half-Life and, you know, whatever point, you know, you want to admit to the years that you were playing that. I mean, I'll admit to being in there almost on day one. So that's... You can age me there. But, <laughs> but you, you started talking about Half-Life and we were kind of saying hi and getting to know each other a little bit. And so I got to ask you, my two favorite maps for Half-Life for Land Party were Turkey Burger and Killbox. And I, I wish I knew those. I wish so hard I knew those because <laughs> so, I never played a multiplayer. I played it single player. Oh, you played and it single player. And I played tons okay. of Counter-Strike. Yeah, I started Counter-Strike okay. in 1.5 and then played 1.6 and then, and then CSGO. Yes. Got it. Yeah. That, 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 that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, every time I run into someone who's played the original Half-Life, it's got to be a shout out because the game is just awesome. So It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It blew my mind when I first played it. The weapons, the whole, even the box art says something like run, think, shoot, live. I was just like, this <laughs> yeah. game is awesome because it actually has real AI. They react to what you're doing. They're not little sprites on the screen. You know, it was yep. the story. It was just paced so well. I can go on for hours about how great that game is. Yep. It's like the original W key. I love it. Absolutely. Yes. Love it. Can so I awesome. ask you your opinion of Half-Life 2 in a sentence or two? Not Half-Life 1. Better graphics. Quit about halfway through, went back and played Half-Life 1 for like the <laughs> 7,000th hour. Glorified tech demo. I will stand behind that. It's a showcase of their physics engine, Half-Life it, 2. Yeah, I, I will say, I'll say it's basically Half-Life Blue Shift, which was nothing. And the funny part is, like, I spent (laughs) so much time in all of the Half-Life mods, but I can tell you that I never played more than probably 30 minutes of the original Half-Life, and Half-Life 2, I got stuck in the train yard after getting out of that stupid first area, (laughs) and I am such a multiplayer junkie, like, I have zero interest in single-player games. Like, I need the PvP element or the online element. I mean, I started Counter-Strike in 1.3, way before Steam. I played Team Fortress Classic. I played Ricochet, if you remember Ricochet. Oh, yeah. Day of Defeat. With the discs, right? Day of Defeat. Like, oh, my God. I played all of that. But, like, the actual game itself, I would seriously log in, play two minutes, and be like, I need to shoot at somebody real. (laughs) Oh. Oh. You're missing out. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, now you can appreciate it. The, you have the, to go the, back. Oh. You have to go back. The original Half-Life story was one of the best games I think ever made. You know, it kind of set the tone for a lot of FPS in general as a genre going forward. And so anyways, all that being said, we're here to talk EFT. But every time I run into a, you know, a friend who's, who knows Half-Life, I just got to ask because it's just, it's just awesome. I love it. It's such a good game.
Well, and you talked about setting the stage for like the FPS genre and just to give everybody an idea of what we're going to cover on today's show. So we're going to talk about can Tarkov maintain its steam as a mainstream game. We want to talk about how we got into the game. And then for our discussion on how to get better at the game, we're going to talk about our favorite tips on interchange. But before we jump into that, I really wanted to dig into this deal. I almost said dive, but I caught myself. Deal with that, Dan. (laughs) But I want to talk about the event on Twitch, right? So we had this event where if you were viewing a, I don't want to say sponsored streamer, but maybe partnered streamer or partnered stream, whatever it was, you actually got drops on Twitch. And we alluded to this happening on the last episode of XP before this official launch of Xfil, this is actually the first Xfil episode, Dan. I forgot to say that you are oh, wow. part of the inaugural. This is the first branded Xfil episode. Damn, I feel special. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you for lending your credibility to our our new project. <laughs> credibility. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about what was about to happen because it was literally about to launch or had just launched when we were recording. So it was like no one knew the items that were going to drop. No one knew exactly how it worked. But basically. Right, if you were watching Twitch and watching someone streaming that had drops enabled, you could have amassed a ton of loot in game. So I just wanted to talk about that from, you know, the gamer perspective, what it means for other games doing stuff like this. Like, what do you guys think about this drop event that went on? Uh, so I watched quite a bit of it. Uh, I watched a lot of Pestily. I watched, doesn't get mentioned a lot, but I think he's really entertaining Geeksay uh, mm-hmm. on, on Twitch. Big fan of his. I didn't connect my Twitch account until way late. So I only got a couple drops. Okay. Um, I got a key tool, which was far and away what I was hoping to get because I needed one right now. I would say what you were saying on the couple episodes ago about how it being a win, 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 win. The best part about all of this is... Obviously, besides the free publicity, but the amusing part to me is that all of these things are going to go away in a couple months when there's a wipe. <laughs> so everyone was getting so excited about all these drops and it's literally just going to go away. Yeah, but, but it's uh, brilliant. It's though. genius. Yeah. It's genius. It's so genius because no one loses. You're totally right. And I'm going to add a fifth win because I said win, 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 win. But my PMC won big. Let me tell you, with the items case that he got, got oh, some wow. moonshine. He got a night vision helmet that I'm terrified to use. Your fear is <laughs> There's real. There's so much stuff. Oh my gosh, it's real. Yeah, I legitimately probably got two and a half million rubles worth of stuff. Wow, that's insane. Yep, I linked my Twitch account like almost right away and watched Pestily for days. <laughs> he really... streamed for like days straight when it went yeah. live. Yeah, and it was, but it was super good too. Like, totally check out his stream; it's good. Cutting back to like the loot and and what they did, it's free publicity. It makes all the gamers love it. And like you just said, Dan, it literally doesn't matter. They're, it's all going to go away in the next <laughs> yeah. reset. So they didn't break the balance of the game, and they got a bunch of people feeling good about it. It is a total perfect situation. And honestly, some other games could really learn from this. Yeah, whole kind of way that they interacted with Twitch because I think that in order to keep a community on Twitch engaged with your game, you're going to have to do promotions and things like this versus just counting on content creators to be entertaining. And I think we're seeing some transition where maybe that could be a marketing strategy going forward. And it feels much better to me and more natural that you're not just paying a streamer to play your game. You know, they're getting something, the watchers get something, you get publicity to new streamers, you get publicity to your game. I can't even fathom the number of copies they must have sold because of this, because the servers were just on fire for days. The entire event, we could barely get into raids because it was so populated 
Yeah, the weekend was like if you tried to do anything, you couldn't move items in your inventory, you couldn't do hideout stuff. And yep. I think what really stood out to me was they acknowledged it. They said, we didn't anticipate this. We have so many new users. Thank you. We're working with our service provider to try to figure it out. And they were open and honest about how a lot of those, uh, I don't know exactly the terminology, Eric, you probably know this better than I do, but basically to spin up the servers, those are usually on like months worth of contracts. Right. So to spin it up for this initial surge and maintain them is not a sustainable operation in my mm. mind, but they're being honest. They're trying to figure it out. So I think it's awesome that they got the exposure, their content creators got the exposure, and then they're being authentic and transparent saying, this is way more than we could have ever imagined. And and by the way, I'm sorry. And, you know, here's a bunch of free loot. Sorry, you can't play the game right now. But think about how much more authentic the streamer interaction with their viewers was because they weren't sitting there getting paid $10,000 an hour to like falsely talk up this game, right? Because yes. you look at a streamer who does that, you can totally tell if someone plays game X and all of a sudden they're playing game Y for three days and it's the greatest thing ever and they've never talked about it ever before. <laughs> right. It's just like, okay, you know, you're getting paid, it's entertaining and I'm going to move on. But the way that they did this, everyone got the loot, everyone bought the game and there's going to be a lot more people playing. And you mentioned like the ramp up of infrastructure to play a game. And, you know, as gamers, we think about like, okay, we log in and go, but there's a lot behind the scenes that makes that work right right you know other games that have that start off in like amazon and start off in like different clouds out there and then move into their own stuff and so i think it's really interesting because you're right those contracts typically are things that are not very agile in nature to ramp up the game but i would say that what they're doing is good and they definitely sold enough copies that i would expect a lot more servers to open up because there's a ton more people going to be playing you got someone like Pestily, right? And you guys brought him up before and he exploded, right? I think he was averaging, you know, 2,000 to 2,500 viewers, which is a respectable amount. It's a big stream on Twitch. And so obviously he had a community and it was already going and nothing against any other streamers for it. He just happened to be the one that exploded and he hit like 106,000 viewers uh, just a few days ago and has been maintaining just massive streams because he's got a great content on YouTube. He's laid back, relaxed on stream. But the question becomes, they had an explosion. They had some problems. They set the community on fire in a good way and they made existing players happy. They made newer players happy. And now they have a massive influx, very likely, of brand new players. So can this game that is extremely deep, it's said to be hardcore, it's loot Tetris, it's all of the things that those of us that have been playing it for a little while love about it, can it stay mainstream being as deep as it is? So what do you define as mainstream is my first question, because I want to make sure we're all thinking about the same context here. So like for me, does it having a good following on Twitch, does that mean it's mainstream or does it sell action figures on the shelves of Target and your kids want it for Christmas mainstream? Or am I, I thinking two extremes on both different sides? I Yeah, I think for me, mainstream... I wouldn't say it's the action figure side. Like, I mean, the only ones I see on Target shelves are Fortnite and yeah. <laughs> Minecraft, right? Angry Birds a couple years ago, yeah. 
Right. What, what a weird phenomenon, man. <laughs> a bunch of PMCs lined up on the shelf. It'd be great. I, 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 I think for me, it's Twitch relevancy, right? It's does it have the steam to stay relevant from a content creation standpoint, as well as a player base? I think those are the two keys. Like, is the player base going to stabilize and be at high numbers? Which, again, it's not on Steam, so we don't know what the player base is. But is it from a content creation standpoint, going to remain a heavy hitter on Twitch and YouTube. Those are kind of the two main metrics I guess I would be looking at as far as mainstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would guess that I would say yes. Uh, the, there's always the Twitch metric. There's always the YouTube metric. Those kinds of things. I judge a game's kind of relevancy on a much smaller scale, honestly, because most people kind of do. You can go off like what the crowd is doing. But at the end of the day, it's like your group of friends, right? You play with your gamer friends, and all of my gamer friends love this game. So it's kind of like the relevant scale. It depends. Like if you want to judge it by Twitter or or Twitch or YouTube, you know, I guess we'll see. But so far, I would say like the friend factor is pretty high for this one. Yeah. It has such a good experience when you're playing with a group. But surprisingly, I find myself playing a lot alone uh, because I think it becomes its own sort of horror game in a way where it's like I'm on my I'm on my own I can choose like you were saying in a previous episode I can choose exactly how much loot I want to bring in I can choose the level of stress that I want as soon as I load in but that aside playing with friends just makes this game just shine it's just so much fun you're discovering things together you're working through areas together clearing buildings together people really enjoy that side of it and that's also what made PUBG great so that's what I was looking for in a game when I found Tarkov I agree with that completely and there's another thing that's happened just in the last I want to say six months that it really became active or used but discord added the streaming feature within discord channels right and this game is so hard to pick up by yourself but even more than that just the ability to easily share your screen and have someone like oh no change move this loot over here sell this take that attachment off you know use this bag for this that crate for this just the ability to have like little mini three to five minute coaching sessions within tarkov is amazing and and the reason i bring that up is because and again you'll hear us plug our discord like 20 times but we've got a brand new discord launch so like if you don't have people to play with get connected find a sherpa aka someone willing to bring you through and if you're brand new to the game find people to play with not through the looking for group in game they will shoot you (laughs) don't do it but get connected man we've got we'll have the discord links and you know if we can't play with you there will be someone that will but this game is super fun to at least scav run with other people that know what they're doing or don't know what they're doing because there's nothing to lose yep and it's also important to note that the developer took the time to institute like a, a formal sherpa program right a formal training program that's kind of one of my big beasts with other fps games is they just throw you in and they basically say you know good luck get killed 100 times and figure it out over time and that can be fun for a certain type of gamer but there are other gamers that don't like that at all that are going to love the idea that they can actually kind of be taught a little bit and yes it is holding someone's hand but at the same time i think a lot of people come to the point where like they really like this game and in order for the game to succeed they need other people to really like it too. So the Sherpa program is really brilliant. Speaking of being thrown in, um, I think that's probably (laughs) going to be one of the biggest obstacles to this game becoming, quote, mainstream. Yeah. I mean, there's no guidebook. I saw a comment. I think it was a Reddit post. Someone posted a screenshot from someone's chat. I think it was probably Dr. Disrespect's chat. Someone said something like, damn, this game looks like it needs to come with a 500 page 
owner's manual to even figure out what you're looking at because they don't explain anything. And even like the item descriptions, what ammo to use, what's good, what's bad, where to even extract. As soon as you drop into the map, how do you even know where to go? I would never have even found out where to go had I not looked up YouTube videos or looked up screenshots of what the X-Fills look like. So they really just throw you off the deep end. And I think that that you need a friend to show you the way and that makes it a lot more fun because you're learning together or you you can take someone under your wing. But it is a brutal, unforgiving game with no instructions. It's funny though, right? Because if and I don't I don't want to keep going back to all these old games of like back when it was this game, you didn't have that either. But (laughs) I guess, you know, if you think back to the way challenging games are set up. Usually you got a 13-page booklet that explains some of the monsters that were in the game or the character types or whatever it was, and then some backstory. And that was all we got. (laughs) We got the deal in the front of the computer, or the, the giant DVD of 10 pack CDs or whatever it was. The reason why I think it will be successful is it's super, super challenging. There's just been this like, constant evolution of games toward giving every player everything and letting everything be accessible to every player and i don't think from a ultra casual person to an ultra hardcore person i don't think that's what we wanted i alluded to this a little bit but like classic wow and retail wow is like the perfect example of this you know it's like retail wow everybody's given just about i mean if you log in and you, you run around for 30 minutes you get given a pile of loot and in classic wow you may gain a third of a level you know it's like nothing everybody wanted the classic experience because it was hard it was a grind it was a challenge you can't just go walk into a 40 person raid and get stuff and that was the most recent experiment around this And so, I don't know, I think this is the perfect mixture of you can go in, play super casually, do scav runs, have fun, group up with friends, you can meme if you want and not lose anything, or you can go after it and grind out skills, grind out gear, grind out the quests, like, this game has everything. Yeah, in general, I think that the playing with your friends aspect of gaming has changed in the last, say, five or six years to really go to the ultra look at me, how how good I am. I, I'm playing with my friends, but I'm one-upping my friends constantly. There is no like co-op, really true co-op like there was back in the day. We talked about Half-Life, right? There is no true team-based type games anymore. They're all about, look at all the badges and cosmetic rewards that I get, and I'm better than you. We may be playing on the same team, but I'm noticeably better than you, right? It's not quite the way that, I don't know, it's not fun for a certain type of gamer. And so I think that, I think Tarkov is going to not attract everybody. Like, let's be real and be honest, it's not going to attract everybody, but it is going to attract a type of FPS and non-FPS gamer that are looking to play with their friends and progress in a game mechanic system towards something meaningful. And because of that, and the also the other large thing for me too, is like the scav concept in general, you can interact with the game with a, a certain amount of risk, or you can go all in with your gear, right? And do a PMC and take a lot of risk and maybe have a lot more reward. But it depends the kind of player you are, right? If you're more economy-based, you can turn this into like an auction house type game, right? And whatever. Or if you're just a W key, you want to run in there and kill everybody in front of you, right? <laughs> your, your, your trigger. And that's one of those things where both of you can play Both styles of people can play the game at the same time. And that's just super unique because there's not very many games where you can get like the camper slash aggressive player to play together at the same time and they can really not be frustrated with each other. So that's why I think it's unique. 
Yeah, I agree completely. And that was, I just thought of a couple things. One was the connection to PUBG, because that game is the total opposite. You're dealt the cards that the game gives you. Like, you don't have any choice about how you play that game other than maybe where you choose to land. It's decided for you what weapon you have uh, based on just random loot. Um, it's decided where the circle goes based on random chance. Um, it's decided whether or not you get a vehicle or you're stuck running across the entire map. It was a really fresh change of pace from PUBG. And I'm going to probably talk about PUBG a lot because that's just the other game that I've been playing so much. Yep, but like the, the level of choice you get in Tarkov is astronomical compared to PUBG. But I wanted to mention one more time, I have to bring up Half-Life again, because let's see how many Half-Life references <laughs> yes, we can get. Yes! Um, that's a perfect example, because in that game, there is no HUD, your protagonist, the character doesn't talk, you don't even know where to go, there's no compass, there's no objectives, there's no arrow pointing, there's no flashing like glowing loot on the ground, nothing. Like Even the, the switches and levers just look like pixels. I mean, you, you can't even tell that that's an interactable object. You just go up to it and hope that, you know, that thing that you're trying to get through is actually a door and you can press E on it and you go through. Games of the old style of making games was let the player go, let the player figure it out as they go. And now with like the new Call of Duties and all of those types of games, the Fortnites, all of those types of games just handhold you so much. And so I totally get your point where I think us older gamers, maybe in their late 20s, 30s, and even older, those types of people remember the ways of old and realize, oh, we don't have to have everything handed to us. No, we remember playing even far back as Mario on the Nintendo and like having just being dying over and over and over again because of how challenging those games were. And that's what made them fun. Like it wasn't a battle pass to keep you fake interested in a game because it's grindy and you want to unlock everything because your brain wants to do those completionist activities. No, this game is you want to grind at it because you want to be the best and you want to have the best gear. And it's not necessarily just to keep you occupied. It's actually you're getting better at the game as you play rather than just unlocking things as you go. I mean, it's just like the the hard, the difficulty of this game is just through the roof more than any other game I've ever played. And that's what I think is a threat to it being mainstream, but also is an attractiveness to it. Yeah, it's super interesting. I think one very super important thought that you had there that I think we can't overlook is the age of the gamer. We have people, a generation of gamers that are different, right? So gaming has been mainstream now for like 25 years. We have groups of gamers that play games very differently and that are looking for different things out of their entertainment for gaming. And it's, this is a first right? We literally have evolved to like we have the first two groups of gamers. I think you hit a really great point there that is super relevant to the way that games are made today. I'll circle back towards the like you can be part of a group, but you're really not part of a group because you're looking to be cosmetically separate from everybody to be better than everybody. And that's not really how old games were played, right? You just you were dropped in a map with a gun in a dream. And that was about it. Yeah. And Tarkov, I think, brought back some feelings of nostalgia for Half-Life for me. And I think, you know, I think it, it does for a lot of people that played those games and enjoy that style of gaming. I remember, like, the first time I dropped in and started playing and no interface, no anything, right? And running around. And it very much reminded me of that. So is it punishing? Yes, but it does keep your attention, or at least it keeps the attention of someone who wants to progress through something versus wham, bam, like an arcade style of game. And that's, there's anything wrong with that. It's just two completely different things. Yeah. And it's not for everybody. High stakes. Yeah. And you guys hit on two things, really, like, and we're, we're going deep on this one, That's which yeah, is fun. Because, like, Eric, you were talking about 
like the fog of war and would that help on this? And then Dan, you just talked about you go in, there's you don't know anything about it. And it's just reminded me of this sense of exploration that, again, I've spent tons of hours in PUBG. I've spent tons of hours in Counter-Strike. I've spent tons of time in these these older games. And sometimes when you go back into them, you have these rose-tinted goggles and you're like, this is going to be great. And then it's not so great because you already know it. And there's no longer that feeling of exploration. So it's this thing that, you know, you go into a map and you don't know it. And there's that sense of fear And this game does it so well, because even with the map up on my other monitor, I still don't know, dude. I'm like, where am I? Where is that tree? That rock? I know this rock's on the map. Where am I? And then you go and you think you found it on the map, and then you're like, I'm here. But wait a second. There's supposed to be a scav tower there on customs, and I'm not next to that. Where am I? Right? It's like just detailed enough, and even the most detailed of maps don't capture all of this. So it's they've gone back to that raw exploration. You have to get in there. You have to get over gear fear. You have to get over exploration fear. And it's really the coolest part because when you find that room that has the loot that you've been looking for and wanting and you finally figured out where that key goes and then, oh, it has a crate and a milk and you don't have any drinks or any energy left. It's like, it's amazing. It's such a cool feeling. And that's where they get it just right. It's like the perfect balance of I hate you game for not showing me where to go, but I have to figure it out. And then you have those moments, those mini accomplishments once you know the area. I have a really good example of what you just described. So this is we're going to go into a battle story really quick. Uh, I was playing a solo run on Shoreline. I know Shoreline very well, except I didn't know where the extract was. It's a north of Resort. I think it's Rock Passage or something like that. I can't remember the actual name. If you exit the north side of Resort, you can either turn left or turn right. It's up there amongst the rocks. But so basically, I got into a little spot of trouble, as you do in the resort. (laughs) Took heavy fire. I was, you know, returning fire. I was crouched. I was heavily wounded, bleeding, you know, blacked limbs, running out of hydration. Stomach was blacked. So I was in deep trouble. And so I knew that there was that extract nearby. So I'm thinking, okay, my bag is full. I had so much good loot. And I'm like, okay, I got to get out. I know which way to go, but I don't know if I should turn left or right. And as I'm leaving, of course, I'm at like 20 hydration and it's going down super fast. And I'm looking it around. I'm trying to find a duffel bag. I find a duffel bag and oh my God, it's got a water in it. So I take the water. I'm a little bit more and I keep going. I keep going. And like, oh, I just need a little more energy. And then I find another duffel bag so close to my exit. I take the food in and then I go up and I turn the wrong way and I'm going the wrong way toward the extract because I didn't know where it was. And I end up dying in a bush (laughs) with my full (laughs) bag and all of my gear because I just didn't know where to go but the game it let me go so far if i had known where to go i would have gotten out easily it was just that the exploration it was the the game rewarding me almost it was like tarkov was giving and i just didn't know what to do with what it was giving me but it it made me last all the way to the very end if i just looked Mm. at the map a little better But it, it was one of those moments and there's things like that, those kinds of deaths. And it happens in PUBG too, where every time I go back to that area, I will remember that moment. I will remember that one game or that one hill that I died on every single time because those memories stick, stick with you because the game is just that, it just grabs you that tight, which is just so exciting. Yeah, I think it's interesting because the environment matters so much. Like we talked about in a previous episode about how sound is almost another factor and another weapon in this game. Mm-hmm. And the environment matters so much that, like you say, when you're exploring a map shoreline, for example, I remember the first time that the actual layout of the map really clicked and I started using the power lines as my 
kind of compass. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I know exactly where to go. And it makes it so much easier. But once that clicks, it's just like, I figured this out, right? I figured out yeah. my way to do it. And you talk about, you know, going up to the admin building or whatever. And when the Tarkov lords give you the admin basement as an exfil point, you're just like, <laughs> okay, game on, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But the sound matters so much. PUBG has got good sound as well, but it's different. It's different. It's so much yeah. louder in Tarkov. Like the first time I got shot in Tarkov, I almost jumped out of my chair because it was just so surprising, right? The suspense is so much more impactful. And so the environment matters so much. Like you talk about like hiding or dying in a bush, those kinds of things. Like you can go full W key like trigger and just run in there and kill everybody and win. Or you can do what I like to do. And uh, I lay in a bush and snipe nine people. And then go loot them and win. So, I mean, there's there's different ways to play the game, right? But sound plays such a huge, huge role in that. And I love how they have implemented sound in this game. Yeah. I was shocked how loud the sounds were. Because I was used to playing PUBG and I heard a gunshot nearby. And I was like, oh, he must be literally just over that ridge. And he was he was like two buildings away from me, like just across the map. Uh, but once you figure it out, you're like, oh, this makes sense. Like, I, I get it. Like, they do a good job. Still could work on the directional sound a little bit. Yes. But it's, it's much more realistic, I think. You guys keep coming back to PUBG, and it keeps reminding me of something you said, Danny, you brought up and kind of glossed over, was the idea of the battle pass. And I'm bringing us back. I'm, I'm bringing yeah. us back, okay, yeah. to the original thought of, you know, mainstream staying power. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Not mainstream, but staying power. What happened was, at least in my gaming history mind, right, which is horribly inaccurate and full of nostalgic comparisons, but Fortnite came out with these battle passes, right? And they were brilliant. You could buy them or you could grind them out and get everything for free and set yourself up for the next battle pass. And then all these games had all of their different seasons, right? PUBG jumped on, Call of Duty jumped on, tons of other games already had stuff this, like seasonal things in Overwatch and Hearthstone and all these different things that are content, right? And that became the thing. So now we have Escape from Tarkov connecting the win, 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 win right? Including your in-game character. And this is like, to me, the new thing. And I'm wondering exactly how this is going to play out for other games, but it makes me think it has staying power, right? So I guess my question is, do you think that this game, a week from now, a month from now, six months from now, do you guys think that the model, the splash they made, the way this game is played, do you think it has staying power? I'm switching from mainstream to staying power. What do you guys think? Final thoughts on it. I think it does for me. And I think it's different staying power than most mainstream games. Like you say, Fortnite, Call of Duties. For me, it's not the battle pass. It's not the cosmetics. It's not even like grinding to unlock all of the hideout necessarily. It's just the addictive nature of the gameplay itself. So it's the game, how it rewards you and how it just crushes you. And it's the adrenaline rush that you get, that slow burn you get every single time you load in from the moment you walk into the room to the moment you get out or die. It's this slow burn adrenaline rush that is just so addictive. Like I think about this game all the time, all day long. I go on Reddit. I go into look up news stories about it. I go to the forums. Like I'm just so addicted to the gameplay itself, not thinking about what I want to unlock and get next. It's just the rewarding aspect of how 
great you can be, not necessarily just like a great fighter and a great gunplay and a great builder of guns. It's just, it's the whole package. You've got the actual combat, but then you also have the game within the game. You can play the market, you can do the hideout stuff, you can upgrade your weapons. There's a lot to do, and that that brings me back rather than trying to unlock all the things in my battle pass. I think I, I think I explained myself. I'm going to bring up a thought in the opposing camp, because I'm, I'm honestly in, in your camp as well. I think it has staying power for similar reasons, but I think back to me, right, I got the game uh, in December, early December, so I've been in it for a little over a month, and I've been playing it a lot, let's be honest. But I think to my mindset of watching it on Twitch, and yeah, they, they had a huge Twitch event, got a lot of people watching, but for people that didn't dive in or haven't watched it yet, it looks kind of slow when you don't know what's going on. It looks unnecessarily complex when you don't know what's going on. And even when you begin, you know, not everybody has Discord. Not everybody logs in and has a bunch of people to play with, so... I mean, there are some very real barriers. Do you think that the momentum and steam, to your point, all of these things that we know because we're playing it, we're in it, it's, <laughs> no, I, I think it's got major staying power, but I'm just wondering how they're going to conquer those getting new players in again. Like, they did a great job mm -hmm. right now, but I, will this work again? Probably not. Could it work a little bit in the future? Yeah, I think so. But I, I think those are big challenges, and it's challenges for any game, right? New player comes into PUBG right now, and all of those things that we listed off, the circles, the loot being pushed in a direction, you're going to get slaughtered, right? Mm -hmm. the, the people playing that game, me, right? master level duo player like i'm not i'm gonna shoot you you're gonna die for the most part if you're a brand new player this game is not softer than that it's dude, if someone sees you you're dead in one shot usually so i don't know i don't know there's challenges for sure but i'm with you i, I i'm still in your camp but i wanted to bring yeah this up. no i actually realized as i'm talking about this whole thing i started this game i, I bought it i don't remember when exactly i bought it i played a few rounds and i put it down I, it didn't grab me right away. It didn't. And I'm looking back, I what can changed? see why it wouldn't. I think what changed was having Discord, having Twitch, seeing the kind of weapons that people can build, seeing like the kind of loot that you can get, seeing how deep it was, just seeing how cool like the graphics were, how cool, like tactical you look when you're building your weapons and you're walking around like a badass. Like it took a little bit of that and watching more gameplay and finally starting to understand how it works and also using Google like just researching a ton about like how to even play this game. Then it brought me back and I was like, okay, now I understand the moment that I load up, I probably don't want to bring in that free AK that I get from Uncle Prap in my very first round and just lose all my stuff instantly. I probably want to realize that, oh, scav is just low, <laughs> zero, <laughs> zero risk and just go in there and just learn the game using my scav. But that none of that is explained to you. So I had to go and find that. And then I came back and said, okay, I understand how I should start playing. So that was my struggle. But yeah, I mean, I think it's not necessarily going to grab everyone right away. I think they need a little handholding. So let me ask you, what is the number one reason that you discover or try a new game? You have to not take into account that you're a content creator and you may be following it closer than most people. So think about the average gaming player. What's the number one reason you try a new game? Your friends say, hey, this is a cool game. 100%. Come check it out. Yep. Yep. And so I think the reason Tarkov is going to be successful is because there's going to be that friend in all the different friend groups that's going to say, come try this with me. 
yes, it's punishing. Yes, it's hard. If you're a solo Tarkov player, it's incredibly punishing. And you have to decide, is this the kind of game that I want? Or do I want to go back to the more modern style of Mm handholding? And I think that the people that decide this is the kind of game they want and are traditional FPS players are going to love this because think about where this game could go. You know, there are so many things that they could add to this. There's support clashes, co-op missions. There's things they could add for seasons of different objective type things. They could add special maps that have special objectives. You could have community created content. This could go in so many directions that old games used to go. Think Half-Life, think Counter-Strike, right? Yeah. Think about what could be done. You could literally create a new generation of people or a new generation of gaming engineers into the next community-driven, you know, mod, mod community, I guess is what I'm trying to say to get yeah. out. There's so we, many different places this can go, and I think that we just got to be careful not to look at this type of game through, like, the Fortnite lens, you know, mm-hmm. or the PUBG lens, because it's it's just different, right? It's just not that. And I'm thinking about why I like this game, because I'm not a traditional FPS player. I, I mean, I was, but then I got away from it because I got really bored with FPS games, to be honest with you. None of them were really fun to me. So, and I, I got into RTS games and MMO games and kind of have come back to FPS now. And Tarkov is super fun. It triggers that old desire and old things that I liked about FPS games. So, yeah. I mean, well, real quick, I know, Mike, you're, yeah. you're itching here to get your your thoughts in. I wanted to <laughs> say one thing really quick uh, was just that I tell a lot of people about this game and then I say, that's probably not for you, though. I tell them how great it is, and then I say, mm, you're probably not going to like it, though. And I, I think that that's my obstacle still, because it's just this learning curve is a freaking cliff, and it's so hard to, like, handhold every single person and give them that good experience to want them, to have them keep, you know, coming back. That's the ultimate gamer challenge, though, cocaine dealer. What are you doing? <laughs> it's probably not for you. It's probably though. not you for you. You like this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well... This is where I love this because everybody has their own experience with gaming. Or you had a friend who like didn't have like Cody hadn't ever played PC and he went into PUBG, right? Everybody tries to compare this game to something and it's always yeah. the games they've played and and no one ever does a good job because there's nothing like it. You know, I'm like, man, it's like my old school Diablo 2 that I put way too many hours in in high school inventory mashed up with like hardcore counter-strike and cod and then you add in survival strategy and that's kind of the game right it doesn't get there but it's really easy and i see a lot of this out there where people are like man i'm so done with PUBG or i'm so done with counter-strike this is the new thing and i don't think that's the best way to look at it because this has actually made me enjoy PUBG a lot more i've been playing PUBG differently because of it and i think tarkov is actually helping to define other games Right? Because I looked at PUBG as like the hardcore, like military-esque simulator. And I know there's people out there in the Arma camp. I never played Arma. Um, I know there's more hardcore things out there, but that's kind of the way PUBG was developing. But then Escape for Tarkov grabbed a bunch of PUBG players, right? Which is the main community I'm in through the Winter Winter podcast. And it's like, oh, wait, PUBG's like kind of arcadey compared to Tarkov. And so the glider comes in. Everyone loves it in PUBG because they kind of embrace some of that arcadiness. Tarkov is actually, in my opinion, it's helping to define other genres and other games that were brand new, like Battle Royale was new. So that's where I think it just has the ability to carve out this new sort of genre, which I don't even know what to call it, like horror shooter, you know, action RPG inventory system. 
with I mean, I don't even know where to go with it. Yeah, I think, though, that there's one very interesting detail that they put in this game that is going to make it successful. Think about this, okay? In PUBG, so Mike, you were the one who got me into PUBG, right? And so the first day we're playing PUBG and we do a real first person, we drop in there and you're taking me around. We're, we're doing a duo, right? And we die because I don't know what I'm doing. You, as a player, lost something. Your ADR, whatever, you you suffer in the live game because you're helping your friend and fps players hate that and that is what detracts from actually having someone help you get good at the game and in tarkov that's not the case you could be a max level player and go on a scav run with your new buddy who just installed and he's level one and you both could get something useful out of it you don't suffer for helping your friend get introduced to the game it's a brilliant game design choice that they made it's so different that it's going to attract and keep the attention of the hardcore people because they love being the best right and then the casuals who just want to play with their friends who may be hardcore are going to be able to do that because their hardcore friends are not going to lose anything from helping their casual friends i just think that's a huge huge choice they made that's going to give the game some staying power I don't know that we're going to be able to get away from that point on any show as we're still relatively new to it. But I think that kind of leads into what I wanted to talk to next, which was, and, I, and you know, we, we had some battle stories already. We've kind of talked about the games we did play and maybe a little bit about what grabbed us about Tarkov. But I kind of want to start with you, Dan, and say, what is it about this game that has a hold of you? Maybe not grabbed you initially, because we kind of talked a little bit about that, but why is it holding you? What is it about it? Like, if you're trying to explain it to somebody in a handful of points, why? Why this game? It's tough, because I think it's a combination of a lot of things. But I think the biggest thing is just the adrenaline rush, because that's what kept me into PUBG for so long. And I realized I stopped having as much fun in PUBG when I didn't have enough time to play it, I started not being as good and everyone started to be very good. And so I wasn't even getting into those top 20, top 10, top five situations. So I wasn't getting that rush. I think that's as primitive as of a thing that is like that is what kept me because in my brain, I'm like, I want more of that. I want more of that drug, you know, give me more of that. And in Tarkov, that's that slow burn. Like I mentioned, it's you have that the entire round because you're constantly scared that you're going to get picked off by a scav sniper. Yeah, they randomly added that scav sniper at the top of that giant smokestack and customs like that was a nice surprise heads up <laughs> just lost all my stuff to that guy but yeah you're you're walking around thinking at any moment you're gonna get picked off every single time i hit someone and i go to loot them i'm literally looting them thinking please don't shoot me please don't shoot me please don't shoot me and it's that kind of experience that has grabbed me and it will keep me coming back and then that coupled with the hideout stuff that was a genius update. I know they've worked on it for a very long time. And when they put that in, that was a game changer because suddenly all of those items that were just garbage had a purpose. Like now they have a purpose. And now you want to go find those T plugs and those regular spark plugs and, you know, all the filters and whatever else, light bulbs, everything that you threw away or sold to therapists now has an actual reason. And because you don't necessarily know when those things will come into play, whether in your quest lines or as a swap trade with a trader, you just want to hoard everything. So I go into a raid, I fill that bag, man. And it's the the satisfaction of doing that and then the loot Tetris and then selling things in the market and then it's building the guns. It, it's everything. What I boil it down to is just the adrenaline rush for me. I think that's the combat in this game is just so good. It's just so good. Yeah, that's cool. And I it's funny because I don't think about the hideout very much because I think it is so well done and I you know I have to add in Farmville to my list of games that this game 
has in it, right? <laughs> it's got that, you know, your your time element of building something and you, you that upgrading sense of, you know, all of the, the great mobile games that are out there. And the hideout does that. But I'm curious, like, Ronald, so, like, we've talked a lot about this game. And I know that friend piece is critical. And I think you're right. The idea of social media is that it's friends telling friends about what's going on in their life or what they're doing. And in gaming social media, it's, hey, dude, you got to try this game. And then for in the case of Tarkov, you have to tell someone 37 times, hey, you've got to try this game. I know <laughs> it looks slow on Twitch. I know that it looks really hard. But for the 38th time, I'm going to tell you, you need to go pay $165 for this max edition because you're going to want the stash. And then you got to know what the all these things are. Word vomit comes out. And here we go. We're Tarkov and baby. But I what? know you just lost all your guns and Uncle Prap just gave you a free AK. <laughs> Stop saying Uncle Prap. I can't not smile, dude. I've never heard that so good. I have the biggest mod they could make to Tarkov. Are you ready for this? This yes. is it right here. A mobile app to manage your hideout upgrades. Yes. And to tell you what stuff is worth in raid. So when I should I grab the spark plug or should I grab the T plug? Like which one's worth more? I would love to look that up on the fly. If they had the handbook in a mobile app that also yep. managed your hideout, I, I, I see it exploding in ways you create a different whole different way to play the game. So I mean, this is my whole point about how this game can be played in so many different ways. Because I got to level five and unlocked the flea market and made five million rubles before I hit level six, because I enjoyed playing the auction house. And so I, I just scabbed and scabbed and whatever. So anyways, there's different ways to stay engaged in the game. But I will say, so for a, for a meaningful progression for leveling, so you're in a PMC raid, so you're in there, right? So Shoreline's a great example. We were talking about that before. I love Shoreline. I've started to really get to know it well. And so here's, here's the thing, like you drop in there and you learn the map, and every time you drop in, it's a different game with the equal amount of adrenaline rush. It doesn't matter like how many times I play it. Most of the time now I drop in, I don't even need to look at the map because I know where I am. But it's still an equal adrenaline rush because I know that, you know, I'm looking for that scab or that player that's doing the same thing that I'm doing, right? And because danger lurks around every corner and it's such a dynamic feel to it, even in games like PUBG, there's still danger around the corner, but it's not as much of a threat because you can heal yourself better. You know the circle's pushing all the players in a general direction. In PUBG, you know you're going to rotate in a certain way, kind of with the crowd, right? In Tarkov, you have none of that. You have a timer to get to one of two points, really, and whatever happens along the way can be different every single game you play, or it could be the same. You could follow the same path every time you play. And so I think that because of that, the game has such staying power that it doesn't get boring, even if you play the same map over and over and over again. Uh, that combined with my personal play style of the way I like to play, it just works. You know, Interchange is another great example. It's kind of hot right now because people are always dropping in there and heading towards the middle and game on, right? So it depends. If you want to run in in PvP, you can do that. But if you don't want to run in in PvP, there's also ways that you can play interchange and not worry about that just go loot and there's different ways to do that and what i think is great too is tarkov the mechanics of tarkov allow people to play the game in different ways like i'll go back to sound real quick i've used sound to bait aggressive players i've shot down corridors on purpose because i know that there's pmcs around a corner or in a different room and i've baited them into a trap and killed them the strategy of how you play could be so dynamic, right? And so I think in general, there's so many different ways to play that the game just is going to take a long time to get boring. And by the time that it maybe gets repetitive, they're going to 
have added a lot more stuff to it. It's really interesting that we're talking about the game as it is now because they have so much planned and it sucks that they don't have a publicized roadmap of what it is. But if you go onto Reddit or the forums, it's literally Nikita responding to everything saying, yeah, that's planned. Yep, that's planned. Yep, that's planned. We thought about that. It's coming. Back to mechanics really quick. The one other thing that grabbed me, which is this is kind of an interesting thought, just the little things. It's the little things. It's the animations. It's how the guns work. It's all the stuff you can do with your character. I just found out that if you have no weapon in your hand, you can press inspect and it'll like look at your hands. Like it's little things like that. That's like, why would they even put that in the game? It's because they really care about the product that they're putting out. All the things like you can eject the round from the chamber. You can check chamber. You can check the mag, how the movement works, the animations and how the healing works. There's just so much to this game. It's so complex. And I nerd out so hard about the weapon stuff, just the, the animations of just checking your mag to see how much ammo you have. I remember the first time that I just like, I geeked out so hard was when I was I was playing a shoreline, I had an SVD, and I knew I'd fired a lot of shots, and I probably only had a few left. So I checked mag, and I can, I can see into the mag, and I had one bullet. I was like, okay, I got one bullet here, I got one bullet in the gun, I got two shots left, and sure enough, two shots. It was so cool. It was so cool that that was, that was how it really worked. And I, I couldn't believe that they modeled the bullets down to every single individual bullet within the magazine. I was like, come on, this is just so cool. Mike, what grabs you about this game? I... <laughs> We're chatting offline here, and I just told Eric I'm going to fight him because I know he's going to take the point. We both thought about it at the same time. You were going to, weren't you? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we both we both wanted to talk at the same time. You were, you're talking about these mechanics, and one of the things that I love, and it cracks me up every time, when you kill a scab that has the flashlight on, and the person goes and loots and picks up like the shotgun with the flashlight, and just have a beacon <laughs> like, going up in the air, dude. It's so so yes, funny. I love it. And it's always a new player, dude. Yep. Like you're showing someone like how to run through interchange and they kill a scab and then they're just like, hey, did you get the oh yep, you got the shotgun. You got the <laughs> beam shooting up to the ceiling. <laughs> oh, it's oh, so man. so it, true. Yeah, it's so true. It's so funny. <laughs> it's just a come kill me now beacon is what it is. Yeah, it is. Yep. I was really sad to see that they nerfed the flashlight so hard in the last update. I don't know if you guys saw some gameplay videos of like dot eleven and prior. Those lights were just if someone's trying to flashlight at you, you couldn't see at all. Yeah. At all at all. So I hope that they bring that back and I think that they said like everything else planned. <laughs> right. Well, so think about the way that they're doing marketing. It's so subtle. Like you say, they're responding to people's posts on Reddit. Mm-hmm. They're hooking up with Twitch streamers. They're not going like full on arena style. What they're doing is they're trying to get an organic growth and community. And good games do that. They realize that the Roman candle effect of just blowing up and is the arena style of esports and blah, 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 whatever, you know, that that goes away after a while. But if you get people, if you're a developer and you get asked a question on a Reddit post, let's just say, and you get a direct response back to you, you're going to be invested in that game for so much longer. I just think they're doing this so right. I like the fact that they're not so elitist to say, don't talk to us about our game, you know, you'll get what we give you kind of situation. You know, it's just it's just so refreshing. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of a lot of future to it. Yeah. It's refreshing also that they are taking feedback, but they're sticking to their vision. 
Like they have said over and over again, this is a hardcore game. This is what it will be. And they've stuck to that. Even when people have complained about how hard it is, they're sticking to that. And that's something that PUBG did for a while. And then I was really happy with how that turned out. Like we were all wanting it to be that hardcore game, that difficult game, not the cartoony Fortnite game. I was really happy to see that. And I'm happy to see it here too. Because of that, the community that develops around the game will be that much stronger. Yep. Because instead of having the game hold your hand, you'll have to have friends to play with. And you'd be like, hey, did you do you find this out? Hey, did you figure this out? You know, how do I do this? The websites, the wikis, the databases that pop up are just going to be great. And so I just think that the game has so much more staying power if it doesn't hold your hand. Yeah, and like everything you guys said is all amplifiers for me. It's all reasons why the game is better and I keep discovering things that I like more about it. But like for me and the hook, right, like what got me is the same thing that's got me for other games. And I, I look at them and I call them defining moments, right? I can look back at most games and identify a handful or, you know, 10 things that happened that really hooked me. And it's it's about the way I like to play games. And I can tell you for Tarkov, right? It's, it's discovering all of these little things. Those are all great. And there's funny stories like the flashlight. But for me, as somebody who enjoys the PvP aspect, right, I came into the game and I wanted to find out how to win PvP battles and the hard ones. And so for me, those battles were coming in as a scav and killing, at the time, I just wanted to kill a very geared player. Now I'd call them a juiced up PMC. For me, it was the the moment that hooked me was I was a low level scav. I got a hunter or a Mosin or something that was a great scav weapon. And it was taking down my first high leveled player and looting all of that stuff. And it wasn't the actual act of killing that player that was the defining moment for me. It was the moment that I had all of their gear on. And then I realized the game just started because <laughs> I got to <laughs> find a way out. And it was that moment of like, oh my gosh, I did it. But this isn't the full story. The full story was that happened two or three times and I got killed on the way to the Xville before I did it on like the fourth or fifth attempt where I got somebody and I made it out. And so it was those entry level moments of like, oh my gosh, I finally got someone, but then I would die. And it was just like the pure like adrenaline just leaving the like the pure sense of defeat but why is there a scav cooldown i need to get back in there and i don't want to use the pistol that i have in my stash right now you know it's like i want to go so for me that was it so i got a question for both of you because you're both i got a lot of PUBG time so you're talking about how you had that moment where you looted the player and the game just starts so in PUBG, you know you've gotten some good kills you go loot the player you take what's relevant and keep going but you never have to have that stress all you have to do in PUBG is survive. You don't have to have that stress of the X-Fill. I would say the chicken dinner is the X-Fill, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the X-Fill happens. It kind of happens. You don't have to make your way to a place. You just have to keep heading towards the center of the circle. It's not like you have to go to a place that is, I'll say, super inconvenient. Like like the one that comes to mind is if you're outside of admin and you have to go to admin basement in Shoreline. Yeah. The game's not forcing you into that kind of a situation. So what I'm really super curious is about, if you were to explain this to a PUBG player, that exact mechanic, like how would you describe the difference in the feeling of, okay, I just PvP'd and killed somebody. I got something useful, you know, but then... You know, now what? Because someone's going to say, like, what do I have to do to win at Tarkov? And I, I've played, like, 3,000 hours of PUBG. Yeah, and I think that's the most interesting part about it is I know that that defining moment for me isn't going to be what defines 
Tarkov for all the other players. And it's hard because like explaining it to PUBG players, I mean, I, I'll talk to them about anything and everything. And I've brought a lot of people that play PUBG to Tarkov in the last few weeks. I could draw the comparison to PUBG in a few different ways. You know, the loot aspect, the inventory, it's it's not even the same type of game. So I don't explain it that way. But the way I would say it is this. There's a point where if you really wanted to boil it down and make it as similar as you could, the timer in a Tarkov match you could look at as a circle because there is a very real amount of distance you can cover in a certain amount of time. So you could look at it as a big giant circle that's closing in towards those exfil points because if you're in the middle of interchange and it takes you like 4 minutes and 15 seconds from the middle if you're on a full sprint, I've done it a bunch of times so it's roughly that. Um... (laughs) (laughs) but you could look at that as something pushing you in a direction. So I don't think it's fair to say it's completely different that you're not being pushed in a way. And you could say that, yeah, pushing towards something that's inconvenient. Yeah, there's times where a circle shift in PUBG absolutely creates a horrible situation, but it's a horrible situation for most everybody. Or it can randomly give someone a huge advantage. And that's kind of the fun of the game. I don't think Tarkov diminishes that at all. It's just different. But if I was explaining that scenario to a PUBG player, I would say, imagine that you were on a hot drop, you got a pistol, and someone came around the corner and had an M4, a level 2 helmet, a level 2 vest already, and you managed to just three-shot them in the head, and now you've got to get that loot, and the circle's on the other side of the map. So you've got to go get to the other side of the map and find a way to survive, and the only way you win is if you take all of that loot to the end of the game and you, and you get out. That's the closest thing there is to it in PUBG, but again, that is such an oversimplification of PUBG and an oversimplification of Tarkov, which is why they really just don't even belong in the same conversation. Yeah, the two, uh, two things come to mind. One was you're also, in a way, depending on how well you prepared, you're pushed by your hydration and energy because those are going to go down no matter what. You're also pushed along by your desire to get your loot out because the loot in EFT is just so much more valuable than PUBG because PUBG, like, you know, your loot is like med kits, first aids, extra ammo. Like, you can't right. take that with you. And then there's all this, also these situations where you get into that fight, you might win that fight, but suddenly you have two blacked legs and no painkillers and your extract is all the way across the map. <laughs> so you have to def- you have to figure out, is it worth pressing on? Because you might decide, you know what, I'm just going to toss this one in the in the bin and say, you know what? I'm out of this. Because is it worth your time, 20 minutes of your time, to limp all the way across the map only to potentially find someone waiting for you as an extract camper? It doesn't quite answer your question, but I think there are some things that will push you in the similar sense of a, of a PUBG circle. Ooh, the extract camper. What do you think about that? Let's talk oh, about that quick. Okay, so I'm guilty. I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> only on Factory and only when I'm a scav because really you don't get a lot of high-juiced boys on Factory. You get maybe one, and by the time you get in there, they're usually gone. But I love laying down at gate three <laughs> with my You're shotgun. You're the worst. I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm the worst. Yep, yep. Uh, but not all the time. Sometimes I just want to get out. I, I much prefer like a fair fight for sure, but I am guilty occasionally of of laying down a gate three i have dropped so many people at ruined road on shoreline it's just a beautiful thing i won't do it on the big maps it's just that's just a dirty move it's a dirty move all the way all the time but it's not though like it's that's the thing yeah it's everyone hates it but it's not it's really not it's a legitimate way to play 
it's frustrating and you kind of expect it. And if you let yourself lull into the thought that no one's going to be heading towards that same exfil or no one's going to be camping it, like, that's just not a good mindset in Tarkov. The whole idea of, man, people shouldn't do that. That's, the, if somebody wants to do that, that's, it's their game, man. They can play yeah. it how they want. And yep. furthermore, if they're a scav, you're never going to know who did it to you. Yeah, that's <laughs> the only time I do it. <laughs> Can't let them know. Yep. It's it's. I hate them, of course, but yeah. I've got it. Sometimes when you get it done to you so many times, you're like, you know what? I'm going to do it right back. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in this game, though, you have no idea how long they were there, right? Yeah. If somebody yeah. just snipes you at the expo, you probably have no idea where they were, for one. And they could have been running up at the same time, so you just don't know. And so mm. <laughs> no one likes it. Right, no. but I think I, everyone not a does it person. time or two. Like, oh, gosh, I got like 17 slots left in this Burkett. Maybe I should stand here for a second before. Gotta I'm fill late. the bag. Gotta fill the bag. <laughs> but on the same time, I like, in Factory, I like finding that last guy at the gate. I like being a scav filled up and being like, oh, is he, th- is he there? Like, is he, is he around the corner? And like, right. it's another free kill. Like, I like that last little bit of challenge at the end. So it's always exciting when you when you have a very good idea of where someone might be, because that's a feeling that doesn't happen a lot in EFT. For me, it's like everyone is everywhere all the time. Like customs. Oh, my God, that map is so hard. Customs is one of the hardest maps I've ever played in my entire life. Just because of the choke points, It's they're just brutal. But having an idea of where someone might be makes me feel like, oh, I got a one up on them because I can plan for that. This yeah, is me and- trying to argue away that, <laughs> that I'm an exit camper. <laughs> no, you're, you're done. I mean, that's going to be the title of the episode is yeah, Dano Dan is, is an, an exit, exit camper. camper. Yeah. Tweet Uncle that Pratt. out for you. There's strategy behind like when it's sort of okay to camp an extract. Like maybe that's okay. Like we'll give you that. It's sort of okay, Dan. But okay, thanks. I appreciate you're, that. You're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, no, I know. But, I know. I <laughs> know. <laughs> um, but like we we keep like alluding to interchange because we had talked about going through some tips on it and right they added in a really again another really cool thing they did battle state they added if you get the scav boss on interchange named Killa if you get him one hundred times. You get a really cool Adidas tracksuit. Or what? Oh, excuse me. Um, what's the? It's not Adidas. What's the? What's the in-game one? It's like a a Biba or something. Yeah, like Biba. Right. Yeah. Sorry, not Adidas. Um, it would never be Adidas. No. no. No, 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 and how dare you think it was a comparison to that brand, Tarcola? Uh, excuse me. So idea, <laughs> yeah. So you, if you kill him a hundred times, though, you get the tracksuit. And so a lot of people are running interchange. Again, we've all talked about this. We've alluded to this fact. We all play the game very differently. So I just wanted to go through like what's everybody's approach to learning interchange. What are your tips on interchange? Like, what do you think about killer hunting right now? And let's um, let's uh, let's go backwards order this time. So like Ronald, when you when you're on interchange, like what kind of tips do you have for new players? What are you doing on interchange? What do you think about the killer situation? Do you care? Break it down interchange style. So I I love the killer situation. I mean, when I first started playing, I was kind of intimidated to dive into it, but now I don't care. I dive right in. And uh, so I love the Killa situation. But my one tip on interchange is everybody goes right for Killa, but forgets to go down in the parking garage. There's several spawns of gun cases. And I've pulled some seriously good stuff out of the parking garage. And there's nobody ever down there. There may be one or two other PMCs at the most. You know what I mean? And they're so surprised that usually I get to jump on them. 
because they're not expecting to see anybody down there either. It's just make sure that you're super quiet when you walk over the glass, when you kind of walk up in the middle of the mall, and you're good to go. I'll leave some other points for, for you guys, but I would say that. And my other my other good point is that in Ollie, in the, in the lighted room, if you get in the raid within the first 10 minutes, if you're near a scav, there's a good chance that there's batteries in in these like these like wire bins that are at the end of the racks. The car battery, right? The, yeah, the car batteries, and that's like a super important, useful thing. So I would say I would say you know make sure if you're like if you're in there on a scav run and you're over 45 minutes, check that out because some odds are someone hasn't looted that yet. But in general, uh, turn your flashlight off if you're a scav, and uh, you know you'll be all right. So for me on interchange i think a couple things come to mind and this is my favorite map i love it uh when i first started playing the game uh this is the loot run that i was shown by dadcaster shout out number two dadcaster thank you sir i was shown the loot run uh to run through ollie and how to get that stuff but the tips that come to mind on interchange and this is something i regularly tell new players in PUBG as well is to know the clock it's super important on every single map. And on Interchange specifically, most people that are on Interchange right now that are geared out are going to be rushing to the middle of the mall to hunt the scav boss Killa. So if you spawn in as a PMC and you get that bug where you spawn in a minute or two late, you can bet that people are already near or in the mall. So you're going to have a hard time getting Killa if he spawned that particular instance. Furthermore, if you're scaving into interchange, knowing what time it is, is really important. Because if there's 40 minutes left and you scav in and you're in the middle of the mall, well, PvP is either about to happen or it just happened. So you got to be really aware of what's going on. If you come in at you know, 20 minutes left or 15 minutes left, well, you may be able to run around the middle of the mall and pick up some scraps. So know your time. And then number two is Interchange, in my opinion, is a really cool and great map to learn because it's got names of stores, which you can commit to memory pretty quick. And as a scav specifically, there's only two exfils and they're always available and they're on opposite corners of the map. So if you mess up and you don't know where you're going and you're you know, your second monitor crapped out or you were playing on one monitor, you can run to the corners. And if you go to a corner and there's nothing there, you can go left or right and you're going to find a way out. Those are my two hot tips for how to play Interchange. Nice. Damn. I think uh, I'm going to learn from you guys um, because I probably have played Interchange about 10 times. I'm not going to lie. I probably have about two, 300 hours into this game and I've only played it a few times. And that's because I've been focusing really hard on customs, uh, shoreline and factory. And so I have, I think I have kind of a unique way of playing this game where I will PMC or also woods. suddenly woods. I'm kind of like introducing that into my, into my rotation. Um, but I typically PMC as much as I can, but I always start with scav and I only pretty much only scav on factory to get practice with weapons and so that's why i occasionally will, will camp that gate three because i will just use up my scavs on factory i'd rather spend my time perfecting my pvp and movement and everything on that map because i know exactly where to go uh, and then on the odd occasion that you get a really good scav loadout with a key card or something booking it right to the exit and getting gotcha. out yeah. so that's why i like scaving on factory um but I'm liking Interchange a lot, and the first time I played it, I knew I was going to love that map because it's just so cool. Like, I haven't seen another map like that in an FPS game. Like, it's so detailed. It's places that you recognize. You know, like, I've been to an Ikea, and it looks just like that, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And so some of my tips would probably be learn the outside of the mall because 
that's where your extracts are. And unless I'm mistaken, I don't think there's any indoor extracts. So you need to know as you're leaving where to go and Correct. where to look, where to look for scavs, where to look for enemy campers. Just know how to navigate the terrain outside of the mall just as well as you do inside. Um, play it offline. That's what I'm doing. I'm playing it offline and I'm starting to introduce it into my scav rotation a little more, but I still like PMCing it because I like going in with a group to interchange because you need help. You need help on that map. Um, and like any other map, just know when to leave because I will get so hung up about filling every single slot in my backpack. I am a loot goblin. So you got to know when to get out because of the timer. Energy and hydration might be low because when you go into interchange, you're going to be there a while. Like you're not going to you're not going to get in and get out in, in 15 minutes like some other maps. You're going to want to stick around because it's just so big and you're going to encounter a lot of other PMCs to fire on. So I think that's about it. Um, it's a really cool map and I, I'm really excited to get to know it a little bit better. And one of the things that my last point, I think, is one of the things that has helped me is to not use the map, not use that map on my second screen, because I found that when I stopped using it, I started committing things to memory a little bit better. I realized that's how I learn by looking at waypoints and, you know, locations, like specific locations that you can recognize rather than trying to memorize a layout. That's when I learned factory a lot better. And that's also when I learned customs a lot better was when I weaned myself off that map and just ran in and learned it by sight. Nice. Yeah, I thought of while you were talking, I thought of one other thing I wanted to bring up on interchange. And in general, like especially if you're new to this game, it can be really tempting to go do like night raids and don't do a night raid on factory. That's the worst no, horror film no. you've ever seen because people will go in there with night vision and stuff and just murder you. Yes, there's night vision. Yes, it's expensive. Not for the beginning of the game. One of the maps that I think is really good to go in at a later time in the night or early morning is interchange because the inside of the mall is actually really well lit at night and you can see really well. And then when you get outside of the mall, it's very dark. So you can kind of sneak through the open areas a little easier. You can kind of crouch and get through the grass a little easier. Now, again, if somebody has night vision and they're looking out there or a thermal, you, they're going to spot you. But again, that's the risk you take on any map. But I would just say try interchange in the middle of the night, um, which I wouldn't recommend on any other map in the beginning. But you tend to run into less player characters. You'll still run into some, but not as much in the daytime. You can still see really well inside of the mall. There's a few select areas that are harder to spot people, but in general, you have very good vision on interchange at night. Yep, and I would say my last two two points on interchange would be to watch for exfil campers like me. So the best place to hide for exfil camping is there's two tents by the, I think it used to be called the train exit, but now it's actually called something else. It just, the name just got changed. But uh, when you go at Ollie, it's the back of Ollie, uh, there's two tents. And we, and to make sure that you full use the train as best as you can, there's two ditches that you can walk in mm. and avoid and avoid running through the two bushes there because if there's someone sitting there waiting to kill you, they're going to hear you and you're dead. You want to be sure to just, you know, to run and then you can run and jump and prone right next to that truck for that exfil and then you'll be out right away. Just be super, super cognizant of that. And the other thing I was going to say is that with interchange, there are ways to sneak up on the PvP that's happening. Yep. So it's like to go back to the point about how 
some people are the W key and some people are the sneaky key. And Trigger is the W key and I'm the sneaky key. And that's why it's fun when we play together. So I, I sneak up on the PvP from, I mostly come up the steps of Ollie, right outside of Ollie from the parking garage. And I've snuck up and killed like five PMCs because they don't expect people to come up those back steps. If you go in there as a PMC and you're kitted out with something good, it's like free loot. And they're all fighting each other and they don't know what's happening. Usually the only thing you have to watch out for in that scenario is there could be someone on the second floor. And so as you're walking towards the front of Ollie, back towards the middle of the mall, you could get nailed by someone on the second floor. Oh, yeah. Which was going to make you want to throw your mouse through the wall. But that's okay. That's the (laughs) game. That's the game. Use the map. Kind of like Dan, like you were saying, use the map to your full advantage. Don't just take the way that's popular. There's many different routes to get the jump on people. You can be a single player and get the jump on groups of people because they're doing something that they expect everyone else to do. And so whether it's using sound to draw out aggressive players or sneaking around from a different angle and using a sniper rifle to kill four people before they know what hit them, there's so many different things that you can do. So on Interchange, right now, yes, it's hot. Yes, people run to the middle. They're looking for killer, but you can use that to your advantage get in there go from a different angle and ruin their day and get some good stuff so that's my tip yeah that's honestly it's a great tip because playing interchange a little slower there are so many nooks and crannies and little stores that no one ever checks right there's all those food places upstairs that just have cash registers that no one really ever loots those and then the verticality right going up to the second floor and looking down it's expected when you're in the middle of the mall that you kind of look up but it's a heck of a lot harder for someone to hit you if you're standing above shooting down you know from 100 meters away so good that's a great tip man and playing slower on interchange it's a 55 minute map you got a lot lot of time bring the bring your water bring your food you're yeah. gonna want to hang out for a while well 100%. guys we uh <laughs> <laughs> i always yeah. laugh at how long i think these are gonna take and then i just looked over <laughs> and i was like oh boy <laughs> but we're just gonna started oh yeah we could keep going that's kind of the best part about this game is it's so deep you can keep there's going so much there's so um, much to content to cover we i mean we hit our main stuff so i think before we end up Going down a couple more rabbit holes, which we got into plenty here, which was awesome. I just wanted to say thanks, man. Daniel, thanks so much for yeah. coming on. It was a pleasure. And, you know, we'd love to have you back, you know, in the near future or future, whenever that can be. But what we like to do here at the end is just give you a chance to tell people where they can find you, what you're working on, anything cool coming down the pipe, um, and where they can get connected with you. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for reaching out. I feel like this was a, a collaboration potentially years in the making here let's <laughs> I'm go surprised we haven't uh haven't, haven't crossed paths before so this is this we is threatened awesome. to do it a couple times but it never really worked out so yep. it's good stuff good, good stuff. stuff uh so really appreciate it i would definitely be happy to be back anytime so on on my side we have a couple podcasts like we mentioned at the, at the beginning we have the hot drop still running actually we still do the hot drop podcast right now we're covering cod um call of duty the latest modern warfare just because it's a game that our community is playing and it's a game with cross play so if you're ever interested in checking out some cod content we have a couple episodes out on that we obviously all always have our you know old episodes of PUBG something something like 90 episodes that you can check out as well and then we have another podcast called dive which is where we do that just random topics just me and my my friend cody uh lifelong friend of mine just it's a a really good time and um yeah i'm I'm looking forward to, to playing with you guys thanks for having me on absolutely man yeah thank you so much for uh for coming and chatting with us today really appreciate it always appreciate another half-life fan (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome it's awesome i had to fit it in one more time well and i want to give one final plug too and i'm actually going to plug another discord as well but make sure you check the show notes if you're trying to get connected 
and find some people to play with, some like-minded individuals, maybe new players, maybe intermediate players, maybe you want an expert to show you the game. We do have a Discord for that. It's set up for people to connect to game, to talk about the game. Uh, come on down to the Xville Podcast Discord. The link will be uh, in the show notes. It'll be posted everywhere. But I also wanted to direct you to uh, the Discord that Dano has set up. And it's actually one of the coolest uh, Discords that I've seen. It's for the hot drop. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> and it's one of the most like active, like multi-topic Discords out there. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. We'll get the link from you for that. But if you're looking for a place to hang out with just some people that are playing different games. If you're into COD, if you're into PUBG, if you're into Tarkov, they have some sections for that. And then they have like a food section that I don't dare click on because the food that the people in that Discord eat just blows my food out of the water. So I (laughs) I can't go there. Make sure you check that out. But that's it, guys. Thanks for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Remember, you can find the audio-only version on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and then we are also under the Xfil Podcast. That's E-X-F-I-L Podcast. Basically, everywhere you can get a podcast and our YouTube page, as this is an XP Media Podcast, it's on youtube.com forward slash XP Media Now, where you can also find content for other games. But as for us today, that's it. We'll see you guys later. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Good luck. Scav often. We'll see you soon.